The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, back at you with the Punt and Pass pandemic podcast. That's right. It's still the Quarantine Chronicles. We have an awesome show for you today. A great guest, a great buddy of mine. Yes, I know I say that every single time, but this time it's true because we grew up together. Cameron Hayward. That's right, team captain for the Pittsburgh Steelers, defensive lineman, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. He went to Ohio State. He was a consensus All-American. He went to Peachtree Ridge with me. Shout out Peachtree Ridge Lions, 2007, 2006, excuse me, state champion. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Punt and Pass. Follow me, at Drew Butler. We're continuing the football week. We've had awesome guests, Sam Shortstein, XFL. Pat Dye Jr., founder of Sports Trust, which, of course, is a prominent sports agency. Yesterday, my buddy Ryan Skates jumped on. We talked about college football, what's going to happen with the season, why we need it back so quickly. And coincidentally, after we talked about why he thinks college football will not happen, why I think college football will happen, I got an email last night from the White House. Yeah, that's right. Punt and pass, making big moves, the quarantine chronicles, reaching far and wide. And I was shocked. I thought it was fake at first. I really did. Had to do some digging. And it's Mallory Blunt. Mallory is the director of specialty media in the White House, and she's a damn good dog. A Georgia grad, and she mentioned she's a big fan of the Punt and Pass podcast, so shout out to you, Mallory. Thanks so much for the intel. She works in White House Communications. She handles the sports media portfolio. And yesterday, Vice President Pence hosted a phone call with college football commissioners that she thought would be interesting to our audience. It most certainly is. This is what a senior administration official said. Vice President Pence hosted a phone call with college football commissioners to discuss the impact of COVID-19 on college athletics. President Trump and Vice President Pence's highest priority is to keep Americans safe and healthy, and the vice president thanked the commissioners for their role in encouraging players and fans to do their part to slow the spread. He encouraged the commissioners to provide updates to members of the White House Coronavirus Task Force as college athletics will play an important part in the whole of America approach to moving our economy and country forward. Great news. I think this is huge news. Now, if you've read any of the media breakdowns to this call that have been coming out late last night or this morning, it seems clear that the commissioners 
of college football do not want to have football unless school is back in session. I agree with that. I mean, I think that that most likely is what is set to happen. I also agree with the president and the vice president saying sports is huge in the view of normalcy and the whole of America, right? If we want to feel good about us getting back on our feet, about everything moving forward from what we're dealing with right now in this pandemic, we need to get sports back. How will it look? Of course, it will look different. But I think this is an important pivot because – Our executive branch is having direct discussion with the commissioners of college football. How can we do this in the safest, most pragmatic way? And I think with those people on the phone and having the ability and the influence that they all have, there is a path to college football this fall. Ryan Skates and I talked about it yesterday. I know you listened to it because it was a fantastic conversation. I simply said this. I do not think that universities, not athletic associations, universities can afford to not have college football this fall from a revenue generation standpoint. Yes, it puts amateurism in the spotlight. Yes, you're sending out student athletes who are not being played. But yes, the dollar generation that happens from college football uplifts universities, athletic associations, the entire System. Ryan Skate's counterpoint to that was, how are kids going to get back to school? How are you going to put kids into dorm rooms without a vaccine? How are you going to slam stadiums of 100,000 plus people without a vaccine? There's the problem right there. Therein lies the issue. How will it look? Okay, If you have football without fans in the stands, how are you going to have school with students living in student housing? You know what? I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I think... That when you look at the institutional ladder of colleges and universities in this great nation of ours, you need football to stop a complete collapse of the system. I think the vice president getting on a phone call yesterday with college football commissioners to figure out how we can do this in the safest, most pragmatic way is of the utmost importance. And I, as the creator and host of the Punt and Pass podcast, was thrilled that the White House sent me an email yesterday regarding the information that was disclosed on that phone call. Shout out to you, Mallory Blunt, Director of Special Media at the White House and a Georgia grad, a damn good dog. Keep the intel coming. I know our audience appreciates it, and I'm just here to tell you, I think that we will have college football this fall. I think that we will have class this fall as well. Okay, that's where I think it all starts. I think we have class this fall. I think we have college football this fall. Will there be fans in the stands? Hell, I have no idea. Will I care at that point? Absolutely not. I will want to watch football. But I think there is a way to go about this, and I think that the thinking heads that are coming together show great promise for a fall with college football. Cool update. Really cool update. I was fired up when I got that. Glad I could share that news with all of us. And I have a great guest today as well. As I mentioned, close friend of mine, Cameron Hayward. Cameron and I grew up together. We went to high school together. We went to middle school together. We even played in the NFL together. That's right. We went to Peachtree Ridge High School in Swanee, Georgia, where we were the charter class. School opened in 2003. We were the freshman class in 2003. And in 2006, We won the state championship, tying Roswell, but everybody got 
Rings and trophies. Yep, we tied them 14-14. Don't ask me if I missed any field goals that game. Soft spot. Sore spot. But I still have a ring. And that team, I can tell you right now, that may have been the most fun I've ever had playing football. Cameron and I then reunited in Pittsburgh. I was with the Steelers in 2012 and 13 when I was a rookie. Cameron obviously now is a team captain, perennial pro bowler, one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. And yes, he went to Ohio State. I know we all thought he should have went to Georgia. I still hold that against him, but he remains one of my best friends. He is one of the best guys in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. He's got a great family. They're up in Pittsburgh, and he was nice enough to share about 20 minutes with me about what's going on how this offseason has been different, what is football going to look like this fall. We even talk a little bit about college football, playoff expansion, Chase Young at Ohio State. It's a great conversation. I know you'll really enjoy it. Let's get to it right now. Here's my guest on today's Quarantine Chronicles, Cameron Hayward. All right, let's welcome in our very special guest on this episode of the Quarantine Chronicles. It is a very good buddy of mine, a close friend of mine, my high school teammate, Captain for the Pittsburgh Steelers now, Cameron Hayward. Cameron, thanks so much for joining us. You guys can follow Cameron on Twitter, at Cam Hayward, and on Instagram, at CamHay97. Cameron, you have had so much success everywhere you've been. In high school, yes, we won a state championship. In college, you were a consensus All-American. And now in the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers, a three-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro. Man, great catching up with you, dude. How are you doing? How how is the family? What unique times that we're living in right now? Man, it is unique to say the least. But uh, I'm I'm good. My family's good. Um, you know, we've been pretty blessed so far, and um, we're just trying to stay healthy. That's all we can do, and trying to stay sane as well. I hear you, man. Staying sane, staying healthy. You know, I was talking yesterday with a friend of mine, and it's almost like we've gotten to the point in quarantine where we're getting used to it, right? Like, you have your routines in the morning, especially with a full house like you and Allie have with a bunch of kids in the house. You got to figure out how to kill some time. You got to figure out what you're going to do before nap time, turning on movies. You know, screen time has been frowned upon, but um, I I have to not lie here. Disney Junior's been on my TV (laughs) 24-7. So uh, that certainly has been the the situation in the Butler household oh my gosh man uh screen time has been crazy um you know me and my wife have like come to agreement there's only a certain time when they can watch tv um but you know we're trying to make use out of getting outside playing some basketball shoot some hoops uh, my wife's coming up with a craft every single day um but uh we're, we're basically in shifts right now because uh you know i think no person can just do it alone so um, we're pretty lucky to you know you know, have shifts and uh, take our turns. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mentioned we grew up together. That's right. We both went to Peachtree Ridge mm-hmm. High School in Swanee, Georgia. Um, had a lot of fun there. Really built that football program because we were the charter class. Went in as freshmen the first year mm-hmm. the school opened. Ended up as seniors in 2007. Like I said, won the state championship. We should have been teammates in college as well, um, but I'll let that one slide. Uh, You obviously went to Ohio (laughs) State, had a ton of success there. And then we rejoined each other with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was with the Steelers in 2012 and 13. And you, my man, have been there since 2011, and you are one of the premier defensive linemen in the NFL. I think all of us who have grown up with you knew that that success was in store for you. It's been really fun to watch how much you've grown up and how you've grown into that role as a team leader, a team captain, pro bowler, all pro. It's been fantastic. What's it like up in Pittsburgh right now? I mean, you got to be one of the oldest guys on the team now, right? Man, you saying all those 
unique things about me. I feel old. Uh, you know, <laughs> man, I, I've been really blessed and, you know, had a bunch of great teammates. And as I've gotten older, uh, you know, I've, I've grown in a leadership role. Um, and I am one of the older ones on the team. It's crazy. Um, it feels like 2011 wasn't too long ago, but now you see these guys, they're 20 years old and they were born all the way at the end of the nineties. I'm like, what the heck is going yeah. on, man? This is, this is nuts. It really is crazy. You know, when I was there in 2012 and 13, it was unique time in Pittsburgh because the changing of the guard was happening, right? Like a lot of the guys mm -hmm. in the locker room had two Super Bowl rings. And then the other half right. of the locker room was young guys like yourself and like me. Obviously, I was a rookie punter at the time, so I didn't have much say into much of anything. But <laughs> looking back on that, I saw a game, I forget, on TV, you know, all these replays are happening. I saw a game from that 2012 season. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, mm -hmm. obviously still there. Troy Polamalu, right. Casey Hampton, Brett Kiesel, Larry Foote, Byron Leftwich, Charlie Batch, Ike Taylor. I mean, the list goes on. Like, pro, like Hall of Famers, all-time NFL greats. And now, looking back, I mean, that's, what, eight years ago. You're in the leadership role that you are. How has that changed from a perspective of you're the face of the Steelers, man? I mean, that's got to be pretty unique. Um you know, coming from Georgia, being into the Pittsburgh Steelers upper echelon now. You know, uh, the the weird thing is I've never even looked at it like, you know, I'm the face, but, you know, I just feel like uh, I have a responsibility um, and uh, almost a rep to uphold, you know, through the Steelers tradition. You know, you say all those names, Troy Palomaro, Brett Kiesel, um, you know, those were my teachers, those were my mentors. Um, and, He's you know, Miller. learning from them, you know, I want to make sure – I, I uphold that. I make I hold guys accountable. I, um, you know, want to have those Super Bowls at the end to say I was one of the Steeler greats. Absolutely. Well, nobody is better positioned than you, and I, I think you've found your home. And, brother, I'm really proud of you. There's no doubt about that. Going back to our childhood days, a really cool fact as well is our dads played together also with the Chicago Bears. Obviously, your dad, Ironhead, Craig Hayward, Super successful in the NFL, and then my dad, Butthead, two great nicknames, by the way, Ironhead <laughs> and Butthead, played together with the Chicago Bears. But you talking about being a team leader, being responsible for the development, really for the characteristic of the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. I mean, Cam, you're faced mm -hmm. with this quarantine, this self-isolation period with the coronavirus pandemic, and, and you guys can't even be in the facility yet. All NFL facilities are closed down. The virtual draft is happening next week. OTAs and right. the offseason program was supposed to have already started. How has this offseason mm -hmm. been going for you? What's the communication been like from the team and with your teammates? Um, well, from the team, uh, you know, trying to map out how this offseason is going to go. I know we're going to have a lot of virtual meetings, um, but that's only one piece of the pie. Uh, you know, I think um, as a leader, uh, I got to check in with everybody, um, just see how they're doing, whether it's on the field or off the field, uh, and seeing how we can help. You know, uh, you know, everybody's going through different situations, and you never know what could be going on. Um, you know, but then uh, it's going to come down um, to who wants it the most, who's willing to stay disciplined, you know, I think the funny thing, I was just thinking about this as, as I was working out, you're going to find out who really loves football in this time. Yeah. Um, because the guys that don't, you know, they're going to, you know, not work out. They're not going to, you know, be watching film. They're not going to be taking care of themselves uh, for the long haul. And the guys that do, they're going to have a leg up and they're going to be able to show that when we do are able to play football uh, and it's back in session. 
So do you think with that being said, teams are set to be at an advantage or conversely at a disadvantage in a time like this? Maybe a team with better leadership, more veteran rosters are prepared to kind of withstand this holding period than that of a younger team without that kind of veteran leadership. Yeah, I think camaraderie and, you know, uh, a leadership group that uh, is able to communicate uh, could be huge. Um, I think having it all out there and understanding what we want to accomplish during this time, uh, but then having the guys step up in that, in that uh, with their discipline is going to be huge. Um, you know, I think it's going to uh, really show week one, week two, uh, when you start seeing some of these injuries because guys haven't been training um, or you're going to see the mental mistakes where um, guys are literally just going to get flat out beat. You know, uh, um, I'm looking forward to going against the old lineman that's not ready for this game. Cause, yeah. Uh, that's that's going to be fun to go against. <laughs> and how much time, I mean, obviously people who have played football know how much goes into the spring and then you have to get ready on your own before training camp starts in the summer. And then really the development of the team happens during those six weeks of training camp. How much does it matter right now where we stand April 16th? How much will this time matter come September if we have football on time? I think it's, it matters a bunch, uh, especially for the younger guys. I think the older guys um, know how to take care of their bodies, uh, whether it's off the field or on the field. But I think the younger guys, this time is critical. Um, you know, I look back at the lockout year where we didn't even have OTAs. We didn't have anything. We couldn't even get a playbook uh, till yeah. you know, the day I walked in um, in late July. So, you know, at least these guys are going to have playbooks by then, but man, it's going to be tough when you don't get those on-field reps or, you know, you don't get to see it with your own eyes um, at a, a faster pace. You know, we talk about these guys haven't played football since, what, January? Uh-huh. And we're literally going to throw them straight in the camp and, you know, feed them to the wolves. Yeah, there's no doubt. You bring up a great point, too. That was my next question. How has this offseason been different from the 2011 lockout? Because we talked to an agent earlier this week, and, and he kind of compared it to that lockout period, but said, look, I mean, there was a labor dispute. We weren't even talking with the league, couldn't sign yeah. contracts. Free agency hadn't started. What has that been like difference from, from 2011? I think everybody knows there's a job in place. <laughs> you know, back in the lockout, we didn't know what was going to happen and when it was going to happen. It literally was just going on. And, you know, there's a big question mark of when football is ever going to be played. Um, I think at the end of this, we know there will be football played. Uh, we're just waiting for that ending date. I can't tell you when yeah. or where, but uh, you know, I think having that communication from the NFL now has been huge. Um, I think it clears up a lot and will let us know the guidelines going forward. Because if you look back at that lockout, the Wild Wild West, you were literally just talking to guys on the phone uh, from different teams just to see what you guys were doing. You know, what what was being in place uh, beforehand. Uh, a lot of guessing was going along, but you know, at least we're able to talk to our strength coaches, talk to your defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator yeah. or special coordinator. That's, you know, that's critical for us. That is huge. I mean, that's a gigantic difference, right? Like you guys can have that development from a video conference standpoint, get on Zoom, get these young guys to meet with their coaches virtually. But on the flip side of that, back during the lockout, I mean, these young guys could fly to Arizona they could go to Florida and train and and be in a controlled setting and get their bodies right now it's completely up to their own how are they going to do that are they going to go run four miles a day do they have equipment at home Um, and with that being said 
Let's talk about that because I've been kind of up to date with what the NFL is doing during this time. And I guess every player is getting a $1,500 stipend to buy equipment. And then I think off-season programs start virtually next week, April 20th. So what has the communication been like from the league or from the Steelers? Are they checking in? Is is Guimont going to be taking a roll call on Zoom and then making sure everybody's <laughs> doing what he sets out for guys to do? How are Marcel and Garrett Guimont going to be patrolling that? Uh, I don't know how much they are. Um, I know it's going to be a login process, process where we go down the list and read off everybody's name. Um, you know, the crazy thing is, the $1,500 only applies if the team wants to use it, which I think most teams will take advantage of that. Um, but, you know, this is going to be kind of wild because uh, not having all the equipment, um, so many guys come from different situations. Yeah. Uh, there's no way you're going to be able to control that. I was even thinking, shoot, I need to just go buy a warehouse and turn it into a football uh, facility there because this is just wild. Nobody has anywhere to work out. But, um, you know, it's – it's it's uh, going to be interesting. I, I, I don't know what's going to all come about, but uh, they're trying as best as possible. Um, <laughs> you know, it, when when the government shuts down and puts you into the, you know, uh, a, a confined space in the space where um, a stay-at-home order, NFL has to listen. Yeah. You know, there's no cutting corners in that. No, you're totally right. And I was reading as well, I think guys with workout bonuses, it's left up to the team, right? So, like, obviously you can't go to the facility right now, but if you do check in to all 30 workouts or whatever the correct number is with your strength coach and he says you were there and present, then you might get your incentive for a workout bonus, which would be pretty great timing if that were to happen. But, again, I think it's on a team-by-team basis. I would imagine most teams agree to it because then that – Entire grievance would be followed with the Players Association, I am sure. Let's talk about that, though. OTAs, minicamp, say by middle of June, for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. if the curve is flattened or if there's testing protocol in place and they say, hey, guys, we can get everybody in the facility for a three-day minicamp. Do you think a lot of guys would do that? Do you think coaches and players would feel comfortable if they were given the green light by health officials? Oh, I think health officials – you know, are going to make the say with whatever we do. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's where we're going off. We're not going to rush the process. And the thing about it is the NFL has been very smart about it where um, it's not just going to be one state can do it and then, not, you know, one team can do it because their state's doing it. Yep. It's got to be all 32 teams have to be on the same page. So I think going down that route um, allows us to be more conscious, more safe, and more healthy in that approach. Um, but I just got to say, we got to have good pot- protocols. You know, if somebody does go down L, what's going to be um, the best way to prevent anybody else from getting sick? So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for testing and making sure we get the, the proper treatment to take care of guys. But um, we got to make sure we don't rush back into it too quick. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I've talked about it ad nauseum at this point, but I think football's in the mm-hmm. best position to return. And, and, you know, that's why the NFL did go on with free agency. That's why the virtual draft is happening next week. Still got four months until August, right? You got five months yeah. until Labor Day weekend, which really is the kickoff of the NFL season. You know, if there is no OTAs, if there is no mini camp, and you can't even get into the facility, 
How do you think the NFL would respond to just opening it up wide open for training camp? Again, you think all the guys would be hands on deck, right? Because I think as an athlete, and this is just me speaking from experience, look, if they said we're going to go and Coach Tomlin says everybody be in Latrobe, I think I'm going, right? Everybody's going to go, especially if you get that paycheck. Exactly. You know, now you're talking money. And, you know, I don't know a lot of guys that turn down the type of money getting paid in the NFL. So. You know, I, I think we'd have a really good turnout. Um, you know, I thought I think Coach Tom will do what's best by the team and make sure everybody's ready. Um, and you, you got to think, maybe we we push everything back and the season starts a little bit later just to make sure guys are up to speed and we can make sure their bodies are well acclimated going in. Yeah, no doubt. And I would venture to say maybe outside of Bill Belichick that Coach Tomlin is by far the most pragmatic coach in the NFL. I mean, what he's going to be told to do, he is going to follow. He follows protocols. He puts protocols in in place. And his mantra is the mm-hmm. standard is the standard. That's exactly what they do. So I would expect the Steelers along with the Patriots and whatever, and, you know, the, the New York Giants, whatever the best ownership teams are and led by the best coaches, I think those are the teams that will really set the pace for what's to happen. Yeah. What, what do you think about how free agency happened? What are your thoughts on the virtual draft? I mean, I'm on board with it. What about you? Well, I think the virtual draft is just going to be mad and basically being <laughs> That'd be played sweet. over and over again. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to watch that. Uh, you know, I think uh, I heard that uh, everybody's going to have like a, every rookie is going to have like a virtual conference going on and literally it's just going to be live streaming the entire time. So hopefully uh, it stays, g-rated for the most part uh <laughs> you know but uh you know it's gonna be interesting i think uh free agency was kind of cool i think that really kicked off the new season um and gave something every everybody to look forward to um you know you see these guys signing for x amount of dollars and you're just like wow um but they're all deserving of it you know i think just recently we just saw uh mccafferty sign yep and uh you know that dude got paid, but he should be. That, he oh, he's a stud, it. right? He's a receiver. He's a running back. Um, you know, and they're they're rebuilding their team. So, you know, having those you know bits and drops here and there uh, still gets everybody excited for the regular season. Yeah, and the Steelers have had a great free agency as well. Stephon Wisniewski, the guard, he's a good pickup. Eric Ebron, mm-hmm. the tight end, and then Derek Watt as yeah. well, the fullback, going to join JJ or excuse me. TJ Watt, who's been an absolute <laughs> stud. So you guys are going to be loaded for sure. Yeah. I think it was great that they went on with free agency. And I'm excited for the draft next week. I mean, it was a great distraction from all the negativity that everybody's having to put up yeah. with, which obviously has been bombarding our lives for the past five weeks. Right. And then they've set up some awesome charitable fundraising for next week during the NFL draft three day fiasco, which will be done virtually, like you said on Madden looking towards the fall if we do have football and it's on time how do you feel about maybe starting the season with no fans in the stands man it's gonna feel like a practice but uh, I'm gonna make sure I'm up for it uh you know I love having the fans there um and you know it's gonna be a a bit different um but you know we got to stick this is to keep a lot of people safe um and you know this still allows us to do what we love um, and if we do go down that path, uh, so be it. You know, I'll play on, you know, the, the streets right now if I have to. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun when we get back to football. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you're not lying. I mean, and think about this, though. The Steelers are one of the only teams in the NFL legitimately who sell out 
every home game. A lot of teams do not play in much packed in stadiums. Think of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I'll throw the Tampa Bay Bucks in there. I'm just going to keep it in Florida. Miami Dolphins. I mean, not a lot of fans are in the stands. The Los Angeles Chargers play in a soccer stadium. I mean, some teams won't necessarily feel much of a difference, but yes, I mean, it will be a drastic change if there are no fans in the stands. But I think at that point, if we are still yearning for sports, put it on TV. Like you said, go play on Petrie Industrial Boulevard. I will watch anything at any time. We're never taking sports for granted again. Let's look yeah. towards the NFL draft for a second, though. We'll go to your mm-hmm. alma mater, Ohio State. A lot of people are saying <laughs> Chase Young is the best player in the draft. What are your thoughts on Chase Young? Man, he has been dominant all year long. Um, I thought um, – you know, there wasn't a player that stopped him. Um, and that's, that's hard to do. And then in, in NCAA, you know, I thought every game, whether he got a sack or not, he was, you know, affecting the game, whether it was pressure or tackles for loss. Um, he's the most complete player, I think. Um, and he should transition well to the next level. So you think for, he's a plug and play guy, regardless of where he gets picked, he's going to be a day one starter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you look at his body and, he's you know already physically imposing um and you know he plays with his hands well good you know um low center of gravity Uh, i look for that that transitioning well to the next level um and i think he's got a great motor you know i i look at that uh championship game again and you know the dude was dominant you know trevor lawrence was getting it out of his hands on just throwing it but you know Chase Young was affecting that game. He had two to three blockers on him every time, and he was destroying them. If anybody knows anything about motor, it's you. That's for sure. And, and you, <laughs> you and I went a little back and forth on Twitter earlier this week because Pete Thamel yeah. from Yahoo Sports was talking about how the College Football Playoff Selection Committee and conference commissioners most likely in the coming years are going to expand the playoffs. He said 16 is a possibility, yeah. maybe 12. Mm-hmm. I said 16 is extremely stupid for so yeah. many reasons. But you said, why not? Why not? And I said, right. okay, look, let's just take it to last year. And, and you, <laughs> you said you can't take one-year example. No, you cannot. But LSU would have played Iowa in the first round. That would have been a bloodbath. And your Ohio State Buckeyes would have played Notre Dame in the first round. And that would have been right. an absolute bloodbath. Tell me why you think the college football playoff should expand. You know, I think it, it, it almost drives revenue where you get these teams um, that, you know, may have had that, that one hiccup in a game um, and then that decides their, their season if they're not in the SEC or the Big Ten. You know, I think uh, this would give a chance for the Pac-12. Um, you know, even those at-large bids could be huge um, for a lower, you know, a, a lower-ranked uh, team um, that's been, you know, like look look back at UCF. Um, yeah. They, they, I think, went two years straight undefeated, um, you know, and then the one year they beat Auburn, um, you know, I, and in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, that might be a team if we give them, you know, if we give uh, everybody who won their conference and then give that large bids a chance, um, you know, it could go a long way because then you take the questioning out, um, then you get out of, oh, well, I'm a Big Ten lover, I'm an SEC lover, I'm an ACC lover, um, because then you get the Clemson team that didn't play anybody, and everybody's wondering, should they even be in there, even though they won the championship last year? Uh, I think that takes the questioning out. 
and allows everybody to say, okay, we put them in a tournament. They played the best teams. If they win, they're in. So do you think in that situation – well, tell me this first. How many teams, 8, 12, 16? I mean, what do you think is the best way to go about it if the expansion were to happen? I, I don't think 16 – I think 16 would be absurd. I think if you went 16, you're literally just grasping for straws. You're just trying to find teams to throw in. But I think 8 to 12, you can really play with and um, have a good tournament where, uh, you know, you get these bowls that, you know – get these good teams in but don't don't always have the the marketing behind to be publicized as a big bowl but now if you put them in you know this a new tournament uh then that even draws more money to that bowl uh, and allows for those big teams to be included all right so if it was 12 teams um obviously everybody loves march madness and the reason you love yeah. march madness is because you have those cinderella stories you have the teams that make yeah. those deep runs get into the elite eight or the final four the mm-hmm. mid majors the teams that nobody thinks about do you think that's possible in college football because i'll just read nine through 12 from last year right now this is from okay. last year florida was nine penn state was mm-hmm. 10 utah was 11 and Auburn was 12. Do you think any of those teams could have made a run when you're talking about, you know, getting to having to play LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma? Well, then I think it comes down to matchups. Yeah. Um, because you look at some of those teams, and they might be one-sided heavy. You know, I think Auburn had a really good defense. Um, Penn State had a good offense. Uh, what was the first team you named? Florida. Florida. Florida had a great defense. So you put Florida um, against a Clemson team and or you put Auburn versus a Clemson team, um, then there's less of a chance. You, then you really get to see is Trevor Lawrence able to dice apart defenses week in and week out at a, at a premier level, um, you know, because then it just comes down. You know, I think sometimes we get into a situation where we got we got bowl season. So we spend a month preparing for one team. And, you know, in the NFL, you're not preparing like that. You know, you got a week to prepare for yeah. the team, and you're going out to do that. Now we get to see if these kids can do it at the next level. No, I totally agree with you. You know, I think that would certainly play a huge factor. Keep in mind, though, Auburn had three losses. Wisconsin was ranked number mm-hmm. eight. They had three yeah. losses. You know, I just, in Michigan, if it were to get bigger than that, Michigan had three losses. Iowa had three losses. Yeah. I mean, I just don't think a three-loss team should be brought into any sort of championship discussion. But, you know what, right. who knows? What frustrates me the most, and you and I both agreed on mm-hmm. it, is that the selection yeah. committee gets to work in complete secrecy and then host this press conference and say, hey, here's what happened and here are the rankings. Like that to me is not cool. I think the ratings would be fantastic if they allowed cameras, microphones. Let us hear how they're debating what's going on and why they're replacing teams in each slot week after week. I could talk about this all day long. There's no doubt about it. Most importantly, though, I could talk about football all day long because I love football. Cam, I know you absolutely love football. We all just want football back. Everybody needs to stay safe, social distance, and get back to what matters most. That, of course, being NFL Sundays and college football Saturdays. (laughs) Thanks so much, my man, for joining us. Tell us what you're doing with the Hayward House before you go. Um, Everybody follow the Hayward House on social media as well. That is Cameron's foundation up there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, uh, we started Hayward House over five years ago. Um, you know, we usually get to work with a lot of uh, at-risk at youth 
and uh, get back to Children's Hospital and work with the Asthma Institute as well. Uh, but, you know, we've kind of shifted gears a little bit. Um, we've been working with the Pittsburgh Emergency Fund, um, Action Fund, uh, and which provides uh, donations to uh, nonprofits uh, looking to help, um, whether it's food, uh, health care, child care. Um, you know, these are all things that we're all worried about right now. Um, and we're just trying to do our part. Um, we just do it. We just did a big drive. Um, and everybody can still participate. Uh, it's a big bucket drive that through the Boys and Girls Club uh, that provides hygiene products for, uh, you know, families that need it. Awesome, my man. Cameron Hayward, one of my best friends and all pro, all American, and, and one of the best guys you'll ever meet. Follow the Hayward House, 97 Hayward House on Twitter and Instagram. Cameron, tell the family hello. Thanks so much for your time and stay safe, my man. So great catching up with Cameron. What an awesome guy. Really cool to see his development as a football player, as a dad, as a father. He is, honestly, one of the best guys in the NFL. He will continue to have consistent success because that is what he does, and I really hope that he gets a Super Bowl with the Steelers. He deserves it. Follow him on Twitter, at Cam Hayward, on Instagram, at CamHay97, and follow the Hayward House, at 97 Hayward House are doing a lot of great stuff year-round and even right now with some COVID-19 relief efforts. Great chatting with him. I mean, the guy really knows a ton about NFL. Obviously, he's very involved with the NFL Players Association. He is very in tune with college football. As you heard, it was great to get his thoughts on Chase Young as well and just everything going on within the league during this crazy time period gotta push back though on the college football playoff expansion i mean come on if if we're gonna allow three lost teams into a championship caliber discussion get out of here not happening how can you reward mediocrity in the name of championship competition three lost teams should never ever be in that discussion and I don't think even if you went to eight teams that it would matter because there is such a big margin between the first and second ranked teams in America at the end of the season than the seventh and eight teams it would be a bloodbath it would be a waste of time yes revenue dollars would get generated but after one year after two years the product would be diluted think about the playoffs right now already You don't even have good semifinal games. You have blowouts. You have blowouts. LSU hung almost 70 points on Oklahoma this year. Thank God Clemson and Ohio State was a good game. The only other good games in the past five years have been Georgia-Oklahoma and the Rose Bowl. And then the first year, I think Alabama and Ohio State had a good game. When Ohio State nipped them and Alabama tried to make a comeback. Three good games in six years? Give me a break. There needs no expansion. Four is fine. Everybody loves complaining about it, and that's probably the best thing for the entire deal. Will it get expanded? Yes, of course it will. I just hope it's six, right? Group of five, or you, you get your your five power conference champions in, then you get to pick the top group of five team. Maybe the two first teams get a bye. Who knows? Do not go more than six. Don't go more than four, but I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Working on a big guest for the end of the week here. We're going to hear back later on this afternoon if that's going to happen. Hope you guys have been enjoying this. Follow the show at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at Drew Butler, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. See you.